In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Please be seated. Guidance and wisdom that change a life. We all need wisdom. At various times in all our lives, we need wisdom from others to help us on our life journey. For example, as toddlers, learning to walk was a challenge. We wanted to take those first steps, yet we wobbled and fell a lot, a lot. It took a wise parent or a grandparent to love us, to hold our hands, to cheer us on until we succeeded. Today, on the Feast of the Epiphany, we celebrate wisdom and the light of Christ that has come to us from unexpected places and people. Today, we remember that poor shepherds in a Bethlehem field were not the only people who noticed a blazing star of light on Christmas night. Wealthy foreigners saw the star as well. Thousands of miles from Palestine in the Far East, a group of foreign pagan astrologers saw a new star in the sky. Matthew calls them wise men. Please note that the gospel writer does not mention a number. Much later, a church theologian will name them Caspiar, Belshazzar, and Melchior based on the three gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. But the gospel writer doesn't say how many. Now, of course, the birth of Jesus and the arrival of the Magi did not occur at the same time. Jesus was born in Palestine and far to the east in Babylon or Persia or Arabia somewhere. Some stargazers noticed a particularly bright star one night. They were not scientists as we know them today. They were experts in very rudimentary first-century astronomy. These sages studied the stars, their patterns, their movement across the night sky, the shapes that reminded them of a belt or a water dipper. These men read parchments and pored over maps. They studied human behavior. They practiced magical arts and alchemy. More importantly for the writer of Matthew's gospel, they were not Jewish. They were pagan foreigners. Unlike Herod and his royal court in Jerusalem, who were focused on power, these magi were focused on other things beyond themselves. And one night, what they saw caught their attention. As this brilliant new star rose for the first time in the night sky, they could not explain it away in logical ways. Some inner wisdom told them that a special king had been born in a faraway country. Some wisdom compelled them to follow that star. So a group of astrologists, pagans, 
practitioners of magical arts, philosophers, bought gifts and packed for a long journey. What were the gifts they bought for this unknown king? Gold was precious, worthy of a king. Frankincense was incense worthy of a divinity. And myrrh was a spice used in burials. Whatever else was true about these men, someone in the group had wisdom deep in his bones to have chosen such gifts for a stranger. They packed these precious gifts, mounted their camels, and began to travel across the desert wilderness for many months, maybe as long as two or three years. And although their own personal stories had not foreseen this kind of star or this kind of journey, they faithfully paid attention. Yet this narrative unfolded in some unexpected ways. After several years of travel, these magi rode slowly through Jerusalem's narrow, cobbled streets. No doubt they had heard about King Herod. They probably looked up and around at, amazed at King Herod's architectural marvels, including the massive Jerusalem temple. They probably figured that if anyone knew about a new king, King Herod would surely know. But Herod knew nothing. And when the Magi ask about the child who had been born king of the Jews, we can almost see Herod's eyes narrow. This was his title, king of the Jews. No one paid homage to anyone except Herod. The idea of a group of pagan magi from Persia or Babylon who would travel this far to fall on their faces and worship a new king frightened this harsh despot to his core. Now, for some reason, Herod did not kill these visitors. Instead, he summoned all his chief priests and scribes to ask them about this. They said the prophets had foretold that the Messiah was to be born in Bethlehem of Judea. Ironically, the ones in the supposed know, know nothing at all. Then Herod decided to trick the Magi. Go and search diligently for the child, he said, and when you have found him, bring me word so that I may also go and pay him homage. Now, Herod had no intention in this world of falling on his face to worship another human being. He intended to kill this baby king as soon as he or his hired assassins could get anywhere near him. Herod wanted only one story, his story. He was not about to give his story up for some unknown, insignificant child just because some pagan foreigners had shown up with some crazy story about a star. Herod intended to rule as king until the day he died. In the meantime, he would get rid of anyone who was God in his way. 
Yet the foreigners continued their journey with inner wisdom. When they saw this child whose birth their bright star had foretold, Matthew says they were overwhelmed with joy. They knelt in worship before this toddler and offered him precious gifts. Yet this story took another interesting turn. In a dream, God warned them not to return to Herod's palace. Danger lurked in Jerusalem's most powerful court. The wise men paid attention to this divine wisdom. They changed their plan route back home. Yet even as they traveled home, perhaps by an even more challenging route, in order to avoid Herod and his would-be assassins, we can presume that this journey changed their lives. That star in the night sky now blazed fierce and bold in their hearts. When you have seen the light of the world, whether in a star, in a dream, in someone's face, in the stories of the Bible, you are never the same again. You can never go back home the same way you came. These magi had seen the light of the world in his mama's arms. Somehow the wisdom of their dreams told them that if King Herod found this light, he would snuff it out before it could change anyone else's life. So it came to be that a group of foreign pagan astrologers protected Jesus and saved his life. The star had pierced their own hearts, and this light would shine out of them the rest of their lives. Throughout the years, God has needed prophets. God has needed poor people and rich people to pay attention. God needed to send Jesus to be with us because we just didn't get it. And God also needs you and me to be willing to let God's light burn fiercely and glow in and out of our own daily worlds. God needs us to pay attention to wisdom wherever we see or hear it. The light of Christ still glows in people and out of people. And the children we will baptize later today, and the children to whom we will give a Bible, our fourth graders, and in every adult sitting here today. All of us must pay attention and help shine Christ's light from this parish into the community. And so I invite you to ask yourself some questions today. If the light of Christ has dimmed in your life, what do you need to rekindle it? Is it reading Bible stories, beginning a daily habit of prayer? Is it joining David Griswold at the Sunday morning Bible study? Is it gathering this coming Wednesday evening here with your brothers and sisters for supper, fellowship, and maybe joining a Columbus Circle? 
How might this light of Christ burn so fiercely inside you that when you walk out of here today, that light glows so brightly that the people you encounter at work, in the grocery store, or at a restaurant wants this light in their lives? How has Christ's presence in your life changed your story? How might you share your story in a new way in this new year? Don't go home the same way you came. Let God change your story through the wisdom of word, sacrament, and through this community of faith. Leave this holy space today glowing with the light of Christ. That light will change you. That light can change the world. Amen.